The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. If you're ever in our area, please stop by at for our Sunday service, which is from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon. And if you would like to check it out online, you can go to our website, www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org and watch the live stream of the service. Today, we are continuing in the series, Discover the Power Within You, which is a series based upon the book of the same title written by Eric Butterworth. Last week, I taught the law of non-resistance, but I really didn't finish the chapter in the way I wanted to because we really got into some some really good material, um, and I didn't want to rush it. So today, I'm going to continue that chapter, then go back to my chapter-by-chapter chapter, um, uh, um, teaching um, going forward from this week. So we're going to start on page 96, but before I do that, if you're new to the show or new to this series... I am requesting that every person who actually listens to this series on Discover the Power Within You get the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. Read the chapters ahead. You know, if if you're listening to me, you can tell, okay, let me at least make sure I'm a, I am at least read the chapter coming up to the next week. So next week, by next week, for instance, you should have read already uh, The Forgotten Art of Prayer, for instance. So make sure you get the book. If, if you online, I'm sure you can find it, Amazon.com, some website, something, somewhere, somehow, the powerful spiritual being that you are can find the book. I strongly suggest it. I think it's one of the top five books in all of New Thought, and it should be on every um, metaphysician, self-help, or anything else type of person's uh, library. It should be in your library for sure. Just don't listen to the show. I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff because you can't teach this book um, and line by line. It's just too much good material. I'm just picking out highlights. Now, going back to page 96, Eric Butterworth quotes um, Matthew chapter 5 verse, verses 38 through 42. 
uh, attributed to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It states, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, resist not him that is evil, but whosoever smiteth thee on the right, thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man also will go to law with thee and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him that asketh, and from him that will borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And Eric Butterworth talks about how people had different mindsets about what this statement meant. And you got to always remember that it's easy just to say, okay, Jesus is talking about things from a surface level that's not practical. But if it's Jesus teaching it, it normally has a deeper meaning. So that's one of the things we're going to work with. Um, at the bottom of page 96, he does say that the old law of an eye, for an eye was designed to maintain some kind of order among a barbarous people. It was better than nothing. Actually, it formed a foundation of a moral code, which is still evident in modern civil and criminal law. In other words, you do this, something happens. So eye for an eye is just talking about consequence. Now, but Jesus is saying, okay, let's, let's raise the level and come from a level of love that's totally different. So, on page 97, Eric Butterworth says the command to turn the other cheek has been grossly misunderstood. It certainly doesn't mean that we should become doormats or invite further assault. In other words, somebody's beating the daylights out of you and you don't even try to stop them. That's not what he's saying. Um, just lay there and let somebody keep kicking you. That's not what he's saying. He says, it is stranger, Jesus said, says, pluck out the eye and we know that he is using a metaphor that must be translated into modern idiom when he says cut off your hand we know he doesn't mean it literally yet we have missed a dynamic lesson because we have insisted on accepting the idea of turning the other cheek in a completely literal sense remember i'm just reading this because he's he he wrote it so well i'm i want to read all of it before i comment Remember, Jesus has made the great discovery of the divinity of man. He is trying to help us realize that there is always a depth, potential, or strength within us, even in times of weakness. He is telling us that if we find ourselves upset over something another person has said or done, our upset indicates that we have been in a wrong state of consciousness. To react to it in this same state of mind only compounds the problem within us. Jesus says, Turn to the other side of your nature. You are both human and divine. There is that in you that can never be hurt. There's that is always poised and peaceful that knows your spiritual unity with God and knows that no one can take your good from you. In this diviner state of consciousness, the hurt is healed. The influence of the other person on you is nullified and you become a healing influence on them. Now, let's break this down. One, he's Eric Butterworth is basically saying, turn to your divinity. Turn to your divinity. In other words, how do you react to life? How do you react to life? Um, according to Aramaic Bible scholar uh, Rocco Erico, turn the other cheek means to nip it in the bud. In other words, when situations are confronting you, you have a choice of, you know, as uh, Reverend Wells says, um, every situation you encounter, you either have a bucket of water or a bucket of gasoline you can throw on the issue or the fire. So when the situation comes to you, are you throwing water on it? Or are you throwing gasoline on the fire? Because you always have that option. So this is telling us that in any situation or circumstance, we always have the opportunity when we see fire to, th to put water on it it gives us an opportunity to always make sure that we're working and functioning from a higher way of being our spiritual nature instead of reacting based upon our human conditioning our patterns our prejudices our biases our likes our dislikes what we consider right or wrong pure and unpure and all these other things that go along with human thinking he said no nip that in the bud look at it from a higher level of your spiritual nature Look at this from a situation of recognizing that nothing can move you in the first place because, you know, this is difficult at times for people to really grasp 
But the truth of it is this. I make everything mean what it means in my life. I make everything mean. There's no inherent meaning in anything. In, in the Course of Miracles, they talk about it's a, some meditations that they have where they ask you to look around the room, you know, um, and it, you like look at the blinds, look at the, you know, the table, look at the whatever. I'm just saying blinds. I don't think it says blinds and I'm just using that as an example. Look at the pen in your hand. This pen means nothing. I give it all the meaning that it has. And the, one of the greatest examples of meaning is uh, it used to be an old, I think it was a Budweiser commercial. And um, it was some native, like, uh, aborigines or whatever, et cetera, out in the, in the ocean somewhere, some small island, and a plane that was that was uh, carrying uh, a cargo of large kegs of beer, dropped a keg of beer out from the sky and then landed on the beach. The natives ran up. And they thought that the beer keg of beer was a god, so they put leaves on it, and you know, dressed it all up so it, and bowed before it like it was a deity. But that's how we do it. That's what we do with life. We see a thing, we give it meaning, and then it takes on that meaning for us, so we function around it, function around the meaning that we gave it. So it's really important to recognize, you know. Uh, Tom Johnson wrote a book um, years ago, Reverend Tom Johnson, called uh, You're Always Your Own Experience, which is an out-of-print book. If you can find it on Amazon.com or whatever, I would highly recommend you get it just if you want to read more on this subject. It's not easy reading, though, because it's really, really in your face that you're always the experience of your consciousness. Always the experience of your consciousness. Anyway, moving on. Page 98. It says, third paragraph of second full paragraph. Remember, you might not be able to control the people around you, but you can determine the level of consciousness on which you meet them and react to them. Mm. My job isn't to control people, but I can control what I think, what I believe. He goes on to say it will lead to a tremendous stability and confidence. You will come to know that no matter what happens in your world, you don't have to be afraid. You really do do not need to worry or be anxious. You can determine your reaction and thus your course of action. Turn the other cheek and meet the experience on the level of your divinity and you will achieve self-mastery. Mm, that's pretty good. Look at a situation, turn to your divinity. Somebody's trying to throw you off, saying things or doing things to try to get you out of your truth. You can hold people accountable without stepping out of your truth. You know, it's like people who have uh, children or people who have jobs or people who you have every right to hold them to their word. That doesn't mean that you stop holding people accountable. It's just the state of consciousness that you do it from. Does that mean that you have to uh, stop being who you desire to be to deal with someone because they're not doing what they said they would do? No, you hold them accountable and let it be consequences to that if that's what needs to happen. But you don't have to function in life from the level of consciousness that creates upset and turmoil and frustration. In you, turn the other cheek, turn to your divinity, or as it says in the Aramaic, nip it in the bud, because that's all it means. All right. Then it talks about the second mile. And, uh, you know, one of the things about the second mile is without going into great detail in it, because, again, I taught all of this in the le- in my Sermon on the Mount lessons uh, last year. Or earlier this year. It was around that time anyway. I think it was last year. Anyway, that the Roman soldiers had could could ask any uh people that were being occupied by Rome or the Roman nation to carry their bags one mile, but that's all they could do. They were being forced to do that. The second mile 
basically they weren't supposed to do. They could get in trouble if they did beyond what the uh, the edict was. So so part of the the humor of this is the people who would have been doing it a second mile or more could have potentially had soldiers trying to stop these people from carrying him material. Um, you know, that in and of itself is hilarious. But let's get to the metaphysics. He says, um, on page 99, Jesus knew that when you do what is required of you and no more, you are a slave. This is true whether it's meeting with the whim of a demanding employer or keeping the law of the land. To travel the first mile brings the paycheck, the fourth mile, the, the formal thank you, and the hum, humdrum existence. It is all that is expected of anyone. But if you want routine living to become abundant living, you must give more. I want to repeat that. But if you want routine living to become abundant living, you must give more. You must give more. Now, just let that sit for what that means. You must give more. If you want more out of life, there is no way that you can get more out of life without giving more to life. You know, in the book Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell, uh, he tells a story about a young man um, that was on the elevator with someone and this guy started up the religious talk and um, he asked the guy, uh, what religion are you or what religion do you practice? And the young man said, my religion is Sears, Roebuck and Company. And that young man ended up being promoted to uh, to uh, a vice president's position. Now, it's a it's a funny story, but the point of it is he was focused on what he desired. He was focused on what he desired. So obviously he was going the second mile. It wasn't obviously his religion, but it was obviously what was on his mind because he wanted to succeed in the company. And to succeed, you've got to give more than what's required. Doing what is required will keep you at the level that you're at. Doing more than what is required will propel you. Maybe not in the same experience that you're in now. Some people say, well, I did, well, did the extra amount. I did the overtime. I did the extra work. I did the whatever. And it's not appreciated where I'm at. Maybe where you're at is not where you're supposed to be now. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, the law is not limited to your present job, your present city, your present experience, your present anything. The law says give, and then you receive. But you have to be open and receptive to how it comes the person you help might not be the person who gives back to you the help might come from somebody else and you're upset because of what somebody didn't do you know based upon you know i all i do for them and they don't ever do anything for me they don't help me they don't lift a finger etc etc and you're missing all these other people that are blessing you because you bless someone else law of non-resistance going the extra mile you don't know how it'll come back but it comes back. You don't know how it'll come back, but it'll come back. That's the law. Just like watermelon seeds grow watermelons. Just like tomato seeds produce tomato plants with tomatoes with more tomato seeds in them. It's the law. Right. We're getting close to our first break, so I do want to remind you that this show it's supported by your donations along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio. So as you have freely received, please freely give to support this online ministry so it can continue to bless you and bless others and reach people and, and help them transform their own lives. Also, for those who are in the Chicagoland area or who watch our service, who might want to watch the Christ Universal Temple service online, um, October is our 57th anniversary month. So we're going to have some tag team preaching. We're going to have some special musical guests. Make sure you don't miss a Sunday. We're going to have some exciting, fun things going on. You don't want to miss it. We're going to be basing the lessons on the booklet, What We Believe, which is our statements of faith, written by Reverend Don Ned, and the commentary is written by Reverend Dr. Helen Carey. Don't miss it. We're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. If you want to call into the show and ask me any questions, you can call me at 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. All right. Now, back to the book, page 99, bottom of the page. When Jesus says, give to him the access thee, and from him that will borrow of thee, turn not thou away. He doesn't mean that you, you should go out and fill every beggar's cup or become a soft touch for everyone who comes seeking a loan. This injunction is given in the context of the law of non-resistance. Let's face it, humanly, we all resent the intrusion of him that asks it. He goes on to say there are two ways in which we can turn him away. First, we can bluntly and unkindly reject the overture, but in terms of the damage to our stability of consciousness, the cost may be more than money the money we have withheld. Secondly, we can give the gift or make the loan to get rid of him. But in this case we may have hurt him more than we have helped, for if we have bruised the fly away excuse me, we have brushed the fly away, thus removing the one motivation that might ultimately lead to him to overcome his problem. This is really good. When you see the beggar or the friend approaching If you find resistance welling up in you, turn the other cheek immediately. In other words, when somebody is coming to you and they're seeking something, if you have the inner resistance that's coming up in you, that's in you. That's not in them. You should be able to be in a space of peace saying yes or no to someone. And a sense of peace. And no, I'm not going to do that. No, I can't do that. And be totally cool with it. You know, we don't have to build ourselves up in our defenses to make sure that we, you know, we got to psych ourselves up to tell somebody no or pretend they're not there or ignore them or et cetera or not answer the phone. He goes on to say, get your mind on the loving, non-resistant Christ consciousness. You cannot really afford to do less. From the level of your divinity, you will respond to the request with love and understanding. You will recognize that he has a problem which may go deeper than his need for financial help. You will salute the divinity within him and deal with him on this level. In other words, even if you're seeing the beggar on the street and in Chicago, there are a lot of them. A lot. But you have to see the beggar as the child of God as well, not just as the beggar. So it's easy to see the, see somebody as the image and likeness of God 
when they're quote unquote about what you think they should be about. But the person that's begging on the street, they're still a child of God, no different than the criminal, than the gangbanger, than the the terrorist even. That doesn't mean you condone their behavior, agree with their behavior, allow their behavior, any level of being in alignment with what is not necessarily beneficial for themselves or others. But that is, but how you see them has everything to do with what's in your consciousness. Everything to do. So he's saying whether you want to give or not give, that's do it from the space of your spirituality. And and see, that's not always a given answer. He's saying it's more important to know how you see a person so you can act from your spirituality instead of your humanity. Some people who come up to you might not be best for them. You know, it doesn't make sense to give somebody your car note money. It doesn't make sense to give somebody your rent money. That that's not wisdom. You know, it might it, it might not necessarily be the best idea to if, if if give somebody a loan who you know can't pay it back. I don't know, but whatever decision you make, make sure it's coming from a place of spirit, not being based upon your emotion, because that's how we get played. You know, you know, you know the the, the harp strings of the uh, of the heart. The harp is playing, and you know better, and you allow your emotions instead of your divinity, because part of your divinity is wisdom, your ability to choose, your ability to discriminate, your ability to choose what's best for you in that experience. So, love and wisdom work together. But it does matter that you're seeing from love and wisdom. Anyway, moving right along. Maybe this will help some people who feel as though that, you know, they have to um, be responsible for everything in someone else's life. You got, you know, 30-year-old kid and you're still, let me leave that alone. Anyway, moving right along. The book goes on to say, uh, again, quoting another scripture of Jesus. You've heard that it was said, "Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy." But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you, and make that ye may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them that love you, what reward ye have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same, excuse me, the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the Gentiles the same. Ye therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Again, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. And yet again, the reason why I like reading modern translations of the Bible. Oh, this did thy thou, really. Anyway. He goes on and says that Socrates once said that the unexamined life is not worth living. Jesus is constantly challenging us to take a good look at ourselves in the context of the divine potential within us. You always got to remember, Jesus is constantly challenging us to take a good look at ourselves in the context of the divine potential within us, not based upon what you've produced so far, not based upon your upbringing, not based upon your family, not based upon your gender, not based upon your race, not based upon your nationality, not based upon your education, not based upon your financial status, not even based upon your uh, physical well-being, only from the context of your divine potential. What's possible for you? All right. So he goes on to say in the next paragraph, life is consciousness. The problems we face indicate our wires are down. We need to repair the break within ourselves. The only existence, the only existence an error condition has, as far as we are concerned, is that which we give it in our own thinking. Why is that true? Because the the thinking and the acting are working together, even if it's subconscious. 
And so I didn't think that, but it was already pre-thought. It was, you know, so we have some reactions that are just built in now. They're part of our conditioning. They're automatic. So that's why we have to think again. It goes on to say, withdraw the thought about it and it fades into nothingness. What matters to us in reality is not people or things or conditions in themselves, but the thoughts and feelings we harbor concerning them. It is not the conduct of others, but our reaction to it that make or mars our life experience. I'm going to read that last sentence again. It is not the conduct of others, but our reaction to it that makes or mars our life experience. Really sit with that. It's not what other people do. It's how I see it. Only. Because upset can only be self-generated. Frustration can only be self-generated. Just like what we call happiness and love and peace and all that. It's still coming from one place. The soul is coming from within us out so how i see life is how it is for me reverend ike used to say i mean no one but me i mean no one but me moving on jesus said jesus challenges us to get a good understanding of the thing called love he says you do not really love simply because you love those who love you what does that prove Mm. again It's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you. It's easy to care for people who care for you. It's easy to treat people, quote unquote, right, who treat you, quote unquote, right. But when you can see love in the people you disagree with, that's a whole nother conversation. Because then you have no enemies. It doesn't matter what they think about you. You don't have any enemies. Because you refuse to. Because you're in love. And see, the thing about error consciousness is, you know, it it it, it's, it will it will pout, it will throw tantrums like a little baby. What do I mean by that? You have these emotional outbursts, these reactions, trying to keep things the way they are while life is moving on, being progressive. Think about you know, limited thinking is when people are functioning from a standpoint of limited era thinking they will harm themselves to hurt you you do things to hurt themselves to hurt you we see it in all facets of life we see it in families we see it in businesses and their jobs we see it in the government we see it in um in religious wars hurt themselves to hurt you you have to be aware of that You know, that's why it's important that we continue making a shift in the consciousness of humanity, because the more we make a shift and the shift is happening, more and more people are becoming aware of the divinity within themselves. More and more people are realizing that they have a choice to to create peace instead of in harmony. But we have more work to do. First of all, we got to make sure we get it. As we're pointing the fingers and telling people how they should live and what they should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, what they should or shouldn't be doing rather we have to make sure that we're the space that says I know that I need to live the truth that I'm proclaiming that I need to understand that as I read earlier it's not the conduct of others but our reaction to it that makes or mars our life experience because when we value our lives and we teach our young and our youth and the people that we influence how to value their lives, then we'll bump into fewer and fewer people who don't value their life. Therefore, they don't have a problem taking somebody else's. When I say take, I don't mean that literally. I mean ending a physical existence. So we have to be on that mindset. It goes on to say. Love is not an emotion that begins in us and ends in the positive response of another. Love is a divine energy that begins in God and has no end. 
has no end. If I'm loving, it has no end. If I'm loving, it has no qualifications. If I'm loving, it has no limitations. It doesn't end. My responsibility is to love. You know, I tell people that, you know, even when you disagree, you know, um, with folks, you know, you know, people get up in arms. You know, some people, who, you know, Democrat, Republican, independent, uh, you know, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever. Just love. Love people. Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, Pentecostal, New Thought, you know. Etc. Just love people. See, we, we we always want to have these distinctions that separate us. We, we we create these boxes that limit us. When we all say we have, according to Jesus in the in the in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, the same Creator, the same Creator, our Father. Not Christians' Father, not Jewish Father, not. Muslim father, not atheist father, father. Even if a person doesn't believe in God, so what? So what if you don't agree with somebody's uh, sexual orientation? So what? They're still people. We're here to be the space of love. So what? So what? What ends up ended up happening is we create divisions. We divide ourselves. We promote ourselves over other people, and then we make excuses about why life doesn't work. We don't really believe we're one. You know, people are still dealing with racial issues today, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, you know, Native American. You know, you go, that's just the United States. That's not even talking about other countries. So what? Let's become non-resistant to nonsense. In other words, when it shows up, we're not even giving it the energy. We're not even giving it the power. We're going to recognize and stand firm on the principle. What do you stand for? What do you stand for? What do you stand for? Do you stand for truth? Or do you stand for your gender or your race or your, or your nationality or your religion or your whatever. What do you stand for? Because you stand for principle and truth, you got to put that other stuff potentially down because Jesus didn't stand for all that stuff. You say you want to follow Jesus. I'm just saying. Because he was love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he taught. I can only talk about what I know that he taught. He taught love God with everything you know and then I'm paraphrasing obviously you know heart mind soul etc and then love your neighbor as yourself but if you don't love your neighbor as uh, Reverend Winston Johnson here says the CUT if you don't love your neighbor your neighbors and if you don't love yourself rather your neighbors in big trouble so learn how to love you so you can love your neighbor right Learn how to take care of you so you can take care of your neighbor, right? Learn how to treat yourself well so you can treat your neighbor properly. Love, love, love. It always ends up back there. Love, love, love. Moving on yet again um, because we're coming up close to our last break. So so let me say this yet again. Um, um, This show is supported by your donation, so please lovingly support it. My show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So please go on Facebook and like it. I would appreciate it. Share it with other people. I post different things, etc. And um, share it with other folks so people can become aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you know, if you have any questions, you have one more segment to call, 888-558-6489. We're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today, as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're covering the book Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. And if you have any questions, this is your last chance to do it today. You can call me at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I encourage the questions. It lets me know that you're out there and um, following along and thinking and reflecting. So make sure that if you have a question, call me. Later, if something happens and you don't, can't remember, they gave the email address out during the commercial break. And you can also inbox me at Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell on Facebook. All right. Back to the book. Uh, Eric Butterworth goes on on page bottom of page 101 and he states, on the level of his divinity, man has tremendous and limitless powers at his inheritance. However, they are his to use only when he acts the part of his divinity. So Jesus is saying, love your enemy, not because he's especially deserving of your love, but because when you But because when he causes you resistance, you're not acting the part of your divinity. And the power that goes with your divinity is only yours when you act the part. Reverend Coleman, the founder of uh, Christ Universal Temple, the Universal Foundation for Better Living, the Johnny Coleman Institute, etc. She used to say it this way about uh, non-resistance and forgiveness and things like that. She would say, nobody is worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. So while you're fighting and resistance to the situation where you don't want to release, let go, and let God, you're actually interfering with your blessings. Nobody's worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. Just think about that. Nobody is worth you being sick, broke, and unhappy. You might be mad at mama for what she did, and uh, daddy, or whoever, uncle this, and the first boyfriend or girlfriend, or the ex-spouse, uh, or you know, all this stuff, the employer, the, you know, somebody did some teacher in elementary school or college or whatever. You're walking around mad and it's interfering with your blessings at a subconscious nature. Now, I'm not diminishing anything that they've done. I'm not saying you're not justified to be right, quote unquote. I'm not saying that they didn't do something that was harmful. What I'm saying to you is this. Do you want to be whole? That's really the only question. Do you want to be whole? Because if you want to be whole, you'll let it go. 
If you want to be whole, you'll release it. If you want to be whole, you'll decide for your well, you'll make a decision for your well-being instead of your quote-unquote rightness. Be right at what cost? So, you know, decisions that we make that are not for our wholeness just don't make sense, in my opinion. You know, some people literally want to be right and dead right. And and not necessarily physically dead, but what I mean by that is peace is dead. Well-being is dead. Happiness is dead. Prosperity is dead. Health is dead. Can they be resurrected? Absolutely. But how do you do that? You surrender. That's how Jesus was resurrected. You know, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. All right, moving on. He goes on to use the analogy of a light bulb. He says a light bulb is nothing more than that unless it is turned on. When the connection is made with electrical energy, it becomes a radiant source of light and warmth. Man is a spiritual being, a child of God, heir to all the infinite potential that inheres all in all God's creation, including love, the single, single force in the existence. Excuse me. But in reality, the fulfilling of the power of our divinity comes only when we are attuned to the Father and expressing his love, light, and power. So he goes on to say, at any time, under any circumstance, we can turn on the light and the infinite energy of love will dissolve darkness, heal broken relationships, and become a veritable protecting presence. Man is a creature of light. When his light is shining brightly in all directions and in all situations, it is in per. Turbotable bubble, excuse me, intertable, indefatigable, and undefeatable. Nothing shall be impossible to him. Now, all those big words is basically said this. Being one with God benefits you up to the level of your awareness. Because you can be, you are one with God. You can never not be one with God. But having that awareness does not mean that you have all the money to pay your bills. That doesn't mean that your body is where it needs to be health wise. That doesn't mean that you have the peace of mind that you deserve by birthright. Because you have to be aware of who you are to benefit from it. I call it the will call of life. Show up the will call. You have to prove that you are who you say you are so you can get what belongs to you. So, be the space that allows yourself to be the light bulb that allows the light to shine and give light to everything. Jesus said, let your light so shine that people see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Be the light bulb. Be the love. Be the peace. Be the joy. Be the understanding. Be the Christ in your experience, the anointed. That's all that means. Be the anointed one in your experience. He goes on to say on page 102, you may say, but I'm only human. This is the understatement of your life. You are not only human. You're also divine in potential. The fulfillment of all your goals and aspirations in life depends on upon stirring up and releasing more of that divine potential. And there's really nothing difficult about letting this inner light shine. All we must do is correct the tendency to turn off the light when we face darkness. Ooh. So when we see what we perceive as darkness, do we turn our light on or do we try to walk in the dark? We try to handle things based upon our limited perceptions. We don't stay prayed up. We're not doing our meditation work. We're not doing our studying. We're not doing our affirmative prayer. We're not taking actions that are consistent with spiritual principle. That's walking in the dark. See, because if you are in the right consciousness, you can walk in the dark because the light goes with you. As the psalmist wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, 
they comfort me. I can walk through the valley when I know who I am and know what's with me, the power that accompanies me when I know who I am. That allows me to walk through the process. Think about what that's saying to you. What it's saying to you particularly. Yea, even though I walk through the valley. Valley is not plain. Valley is a dip. Valley is the lowland. Valleys indicate going through what people would consider a low-level situation of low-level consciousness. But when you can wake up in the valley and then walk through the valley till you get out. And not only was he walking in the valley, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I still what, shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's a realization. Thy rod and thy staff, that's a power. They comfort me. I know that God is the one presence and power. Therefore, I'm comforted by that. All right. One last point. Page 103. It's, ye therefore shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is another important evidence that Jesus taught the divinity of man. And on page 104, it states, Jesus is saying, much is expected of you because you are well endowed. You are a child of God, created in his image and likeness, possessed of the potential of the Christ indwelling. You are a growing, expanding, evolving, dynamic life idea in God mind. There can never be a limit to God. And thus, there can never be a limit to you if you get into God consciousness. Now, let me pull back to wrap this up. The word perfect in Aramaic, the language of Jesus means mature, and it also means all-inclusive. So perfect is a relative term, and sometimes we, you know, we really don't know what that means. What does perfection mean in the human experience? I don't think really a thing exists because it's you got to compare it to something else. I'm only looking at it from the standpoint of it functions the way it's supposed to function. That's one level. The second level is uh, all-inclusive. In other words, my love for myself and, and, and God's creation is all-inclusive. In other words, my love doesn't have uh, limits. It doesn't have divisions. It's all-inclusive. God's love spreads. So therefore, guess what? My love spreads where? To everybody. It also means mature. My love is mature. It's not based upon the personal, you like me, I like you, I like what you do, you like what I do, love. It's based upon a maturity to realize that agape love, this all-inclusive, quote-unquote, love that I just talked about, is the love that Christians, and I would say beyond Christians, because Jesus came to teach, not came, taught it. But all religions are saying this is the stand that we have to have for humanity, that we show up as this mature love that allows the power of God to fully express. And fully just means to our awareness because fully never runs out. God is infinite. Therefore, there is no end game in the sense of we've expressed all that we that we could express. If God is limitless, then so are we. So let's show up as that space of love. Let's show up as that space of peace. Let's show up as that harmonious state of mind that's mature. Because just as God is perfect, all-inclusive, and mature, so are we also perfect, all-inclusive, and mature. So next week, make sure you read the chapter, The Forgotten Art of Prayer. Uh, we're going to go right to it. We're going to get to it in some level of great detail. So thank you so much. God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 